Chapter 44 Tarek sought out the other travelers. I am going with him, he told them, bidding each goodbye. When he got to Speckerin, he stopped. I won't be going home. I'm hardly surprised, said the magician. We'll take good care of your raven. Tell my family not to worry, said Tarek. I'm happy, doing what I want. He looked up at Bailey, then at Speckerin. We might even pay you a visit. Humans have extraordinary means of traveling. Speckerin chuckled. <laughs> You'd both be welcome, but we'd have trouble putting him up in a tree. Striding to the edge of the field, Tarek summoned Anglethor, the raven slanting down and landing beside his master. You served me well, said the Kirin, stroking a sable wing. I won't be flying on you again. Return to the home trees. Your mistress awaits you on Rogustin and will be overjoyed to see you. He pointed to the trees. Go back, join your companions. The bird lifted off, touching down on a bough, staring down inquisitively on a master who was dismissing him. Moving to the center of the clearing, Tarek stared up at Bailey. I'm ready. Reaching down, Bailey gently picked him up and deposited him in the breast pocket of his coat. Tarek leaned out and called to those below. I'm fine. It's what I've always wanted. I'll keep him safe and sound, said Bailey. A sea captain, he knew directions. We go south, he said. Grasping his crutches, he started off, the Kirins parting before him, all gazing spellbound as he gradually disappeared into the forest. It was slow going for Bailey and Tarek, but the weather was warm. They knew how to live off the land and were pleased the way things had turned out. After seven days, they reached a dirt road. Let's see if we can catch a ride, said Bailey. Proceeding down the road for a day and a half, a car finally crawled up behind them. Bailey stumped over to the driver's side where a middle-aged man was behind the wheel. Oh, not too many hiking in these parts, said the man. Where are you headed? He looked Bailey up and down. What truck hit you? South to Kodiak Island, said Bailey. Man, you've got a ways to go, he said, pointing to the other door. Hop in. Bailey could hardly hop, but squeezed in, Tarek secure in his pocket. Starting off, the man eyed Bailey again. What the heck did happen to you? Looks like you've been through a meat grinder. Smiling, Bailey patted Tarek. <laughs> Something like that, he said. They soon passed a sign that said, Takitna, six miles. Home to Jack and Eric, thought Bailey. I wonder if Eric's there. It's summer. He might be home from school. I could use a juicy cheeseburger with ketchup and fries. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, drop us, uh, uh, drop me off at the roadhouse in Takitna. When there, he got out and thanked the driver. Reaching into his back pocket, he felt his wallet. Despite everything he'd been through, it was there. He counted the cash. Ninety-six dollars. I hope inflation hasn't gone bonkers. He'd never visited his nephew. A young woman was passing by. Do you know where Jack Cannon and his roommate live? He asked. Eric lives on 2nd Street in the Yellow House at the end, she said. Doubt if Jack's there anymore. I haven't seen him for quite a while. Bailey was surprised. He thanked her, made his way to the house, and knocked on the door. Eric opened it part way. Recognizing Bailey immediately, he was shocked that he was normal-sized. Then he saw the leg. What happened to you? he asked. 
but unsure of Bailey's intentions, didn't invite him in. It's a long story, said Bailey. I came to apologize. Eyeing him suspiciously, Eric slowly opened the door. Bailey stepped inside. I was wrong. Much has happened, and I've had lots of time to think. I'm sorry for what I did. Sit down in the living room, said Eric. They did, Bailey putting his crutches aside. Have you seen Till? he asked. A few times in early spring, said Eric, but we've started meeting more regularly. His clan appears to be tolerating it. They seem to be seeing things differently. Is, uh, my nephew here? He's gone. I'm house-sitting for his parents over the summer. They're worried about him. With the money you sent, he went to Los Angeles last winter. Here he got in with the wrong crowd, drugs and gambling. Got picked up for burglary. Last I heard, he was in a jail in Mexico. Bailey winced. I'm truly sorry to hear that. He paused, considering the role he played in his nephew's downfall. He looked at Eric. Uh, I have a friend who'd like to meet you. Reaching into his pocket and gently removing Tarek, he placed him on the coffee table. Uh, Kieran, smiled Eric. Yes, said Tarek, and I know you can't see me. Bailey and Tarek told everything that had happened after Eric took the miniature Bailey to the Anvokes. I envy you one thing, said Eric. You can be together. We're lucky, said Bailey. He checked his watch, and it was six o'clock. It's getting late. We need a bite to eat in a room. Hot shower would sure feel good. Watching him move down the street on makeshift crutches, Eric shook his head. Impossible, he thought. Yet there he is. Bailey and Tarek spent the night at the roadhouse, but Bailey was restless thinking about his nephew's regrettable situation and didn't get much sleep. He happened to think of Shirley Palmer. Putting his hand to his neck, he felt the scar from her cigarette burn. He remembered her address, having seen it many times on letters on the kitchen table next to his cage. Let's, uh, take a little side trip to see the Palmers, he told Tarek in the morning. The Kieran knew about Shirley and Marvin. Bailey had talked about them while they were hiding in the hollow tree. They hitchhiked, and by mid-afternoon were standing on the Palmers' front sidewalk, the white van in the driveway. Don't be shocked, said Bailey. This might get a little noisy. He rang the doorbell. Shirley swung the door open, puffing a cigarette. Doffing his captain's hat, Bailey bowed. I'm a leprechaun, he said in his Irish brogue. As real as I can be. I wish you could touch me, but this cage seems to be in the way. He pretended to be gripping invisible bars. Eyes widened. She shrieked as if face to face with a ghost. Hurrying up behind her, Marvin stared at Bailey. A big smile crossed his face. But here's the one you really want, said Bailey. Not me, because I'm too large. Lifting Tarek out of his pocket, he held him in his hand. Of course, you can't see him. Tarek, say hello. That's my name, said the Kieran. I've heard a lot about you. By the way, who's the bird brain in the bird cage now? She screamed louder than ever, Marvin smiling even more broadly. The door slammed shut. Shrieks and howls could be heard from the other side. Bailey placed the Kieran back in his pocket. Nice job, Tarek, he said, starting with his crutches for the street. A bit more lilt in his gait. 
I thought that would impress her. Bailey picked up odd jobs on the way to Kodiak Island. Six weeks after he was made large, they stood on the deck of a boat, weaving its way between rocky isles. He pointed to a distant town carved into a shoreline. It's where I live, he told Tarek quietly. The breeze was fresh, and there was a hint of winter in the air as they disembarked and started making their way. It's almost been a year since Jack brought Till to me. They approached a brown house. That's my home. Opening the door, he stepped inside. Nothing had changed. Dan, his son, came out of the kitchen, his face going blank, the cigarette falling from his mouth. Holy cow, where have you been? What the heck happened? We all thought you were dead. Bailey approached him and gave him a big hug. I've been on a very long journey. They sat down at the kitchen table and talked, Bailey mostly asking questions and skirting those from his son. The next day, Bailey spoke to Tarek. Let's uh, visit some old friends. Off they went to the Blue Loon Saloon. Bailey opened the door and stepped inside. Look who's here, crowed an acquaintance from the bar. King Salmon, what'd you do? Take your money and, uh... He stared at Bailey's leg. Another old cohort approached looking at his leg. Hey, look who's back from the dead. Is this Captain Bailey or Captain Ahab? He laughed, but no one else did. Hey, come sit with me. There's a stool next to mine. How about, uh, Bailey's Irish cream? They sat down at the bar. I'll have, uh, a Sprite, said Bailey. A Sprite? Sure, <laughs> said his friend. When did you have a Sprite? I've had him, said Bailey, patting Tarek, who was watching everything. But then I didn't like him. Now I do. Tim Driscoll walked in. Seeing Bailey, he turned to leave, but Bailey called to him. Tim looked back. Smiling, Bailey started toward him. Tim saw the leg. Let me buy you a drink, said Bailey, pointing toward the booths in the back. I was hoping to see you. I got a lot, I mean a lot, to tell you. They sat down and talked quietly, Bailey pouring his heart out, relating everything from his confrontation with Speckerin to his injury and amputation to his trip back to Kodiak Island. Tim was astounded. And someone's come with me, said Bailey, touching his breast pocket. Derek, say hello to an old crewman who knows about Kieran's and how I used to treat them. Greetings, said the Kieran. I'm Tarek. It is a Kieran, said Tim. One who saved my life, said Bailey. Best friend I've ever had. Bailey never went back to fishing. Amazing his old cronies, he spent the remainder of his life working for the conservation division of the Department of Fish and Game. Trying to atone for the way he had acquired his wealth, he dispensed most of it to charity. Dan moved to Juno for a new job, and Bailey carried on a quiet existence in Kodiak with Tarek. Bailey obtained an artificial limb, but, as the seer had foretold, his missing leg was a daily reminder of the injurious acts he committed. Though he had never known his father, he tried to contact his mother. It saddened him that, despite his best efforts, he was never able to find her. Years later, one evening, he and Tarek were sitting by the ocean. Bailey on the pier, the Kieran on a wooden post. The full moon's reflection dancing and gleaming on the waves. Bailey thought uncomfortably about Jack, and something his parents had related recently. Released from the Mexican prison, 
he went back to California, where he again became involved in illicit drugs and trafficking. Eventually, traveling to South America, he was imprisoned there and hadn't been heard from since. Bailey shook his head. For his sake, I sorely wish he'd never brought Till to me. But then, I wouldn't know about Kieran's. I wouldn't know about Tarek, and I'd still be living the way I did. Looking back on your life, said Tarek, what's most important? Meeting you, said Bailey. I was a wreck of a human being, belligerent, money-hungry, never satisfied. What I went through was a hard way to learn, but I'm at peace now. A flock of seagulls darted overhead. As he sometimes did, Tarek reminisced about Anglothor, Rogalanon, clan gatherings, and home. But Junali and Kodiak were that now. He thought of Speckerin, Till, and Kieran's wanting to be reunited with humans. The magician wasn't as keen on that later, but travelers on the first quest told of humans befriending Kieran's. You promised to take care of me, said Tarek. You have. You're my friend, but most importantly, you're a better man.